You are listening to the weekly podcast of Greater Christ Temple in Lima, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. So if you'll turn to me to Matthew chapter 14. This is a familiar passage that I'm sure we're all familiar with. But I believe, because God says that this Bible is the living word, the living word of God. And no matter what circumstance, whatever situation we we are in, our answers are right here. The answer may be different. When you read one passage, it might be one answer on one day and another day you might be going through someone else you might read the same passage and you might have a totally different answer a totally different perspective on that same passage and I think that's what's so awesome about the Bible and what's in here so we're going to read Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 32 we're going to read right now from King James. And it reads, And straightway Jesus constrains his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Lord, right now, I thank you first and foremost for waking me up today, for bringing me here to this church, Lord Jesus, for bringing the people that are here, for bringing them forth, for waking them up, Lord, for allowing them to come here, for allowing them to step out and make a decision to be here, Lord. For those that are watching, um, that are not here with us, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for bringing them for giving them the mindset to turn it on and to listen to what you have for them to see, to hear, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that the message that you have given to me, Lord, that I believe comes from you, Lord, that those here that will hear your words, Lord, your message, Lord, and not only will they hear it, Lord, but they will have a heart and a mind to receive it, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you strengthen this service, Lord Jesus, strengthen those that are in it, Lord Jesus. And let us hear what you would have us to hear today. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Have a seat. 
know that we just read this, this passage from the King James Version, which is typically the version that we use in church. But I believe, and I love to read the Bible, and I love the stories that are in this Bible and the truths that are packed in it. But if we don't understand the words and we can't um, understand what it is that the Lord's trying to tell us because we don't understand the language that's being used or the odd phrasing that's in there, I believe it's a help to go to another version where we could hear the words that we speak so that we know on our level what the Lord's trying to tell us. So I'm going to reread the passage. When I reread the passage, I'm going to ask you just to do me a favor. I want you to listen, but not just to listen to my voice. I want you to envision what's going on in this passage. I want you to put yourself in that scene so that you can see everything that's going on and notice the details that we miss. See what you pick up out of it when I read and when you put yourself in this place. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, just a little bit of a background here. This day, Jesus received word that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded. Now, we all know when we hear about a death of a friend or a family member, the grief that we go through, the emotions that we go to. And remember that Jesus is walking this earth as a human, a very powerful man. He has the, the spirit of God within him. He, has, he is God, so he can do all. But he chose this time to walk on the earth as a human. So he's experiencing everything that's going on. And when they came over to when he heard word of this, he wanted to go up and pray and have time with his father. But the crowds were so big because they heard that Jesus was in the, um, the area. So just like the paparazzi today, when they hear somebody famous or they hear something exciting going on, they want to be right there. The crowds followed. So instead of going to his father to pray at that time, he dealt with the needs of the people that were wanting something from him. So he put his needs aside, his emotions aside, and dealt with the crowds. Not only did he preach the word and did some healings, but he fed 5,000. He just finished feeding 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. Okay, so there's some background of what's just happened. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? 
when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, if you placed yourself in the situation like I asked you to and you listened to all the details of everything that was going on, there's a lot to unpack in that passage. A lot. Um, I'm going to try to unpack some of it for you and tell you what I believe that the Lord showed me um, actually over the last few years. The last probably couple years I was telling my husband, I started studying this passage probably two years ago. Um, something someone said to me, something I heard stood out to me, and I started really looking at this passage, and it was really speaking to me on one perspective at that time of what I was going through. This passage spoke to me. With the recent um, events that have happened, especially with Pastor and his family, the Lord spoke another message through this passage. And yet this morning, when I woke up, the Lord spoke another message to me through this passage. So I want you to understand that it's not just a one-time thing. You pick up your Bible and you read a story and see what you get out of it. You have to keep going back. And when you want to know the answer, keep going back. Keep going back. So one of the things that stood out to me in this passage the very first verse, immediately. And if you notice in the passage that I read, it said immediately three times. Immediately means instantly, at the present time, now, without delay. Immediately. He made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. If somebody makes you do something, do you have a choice? I mean, if somebody makes you do something. Even in the King James Version, it said um, Jesus constrained them to get into the boat. He made them. He forced them. He said get in the boat. It was a command, not a request. And they faithfully got in the boat. They didn't ask any questions. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't get in the boat with them. He went off up to a mountain to pray. Now, they're going across in what I believe is the Sea of Galilee. I believe that that's in, you know, the scholars say it or it's in another version. I don't know. But they're in the Sea of Galilee, which is located near the Jordan Valley. So this sea is down in a valley. Jesus went up on the mountain. This sea is surrounded by these mountains. Because of the way that it's located and the landscape of this area, this sea was known to suddenly break into stormy seas. It might look calm one minute, but because of the location and the landscape and the wind coming in and this and that and being over water, more than likely every day, every chance, there was going to be a storm that could pop up at any time. Now, Jesus knew this. And I would go so far as to say that the disciples probably knew this, too, because most of them were fishermen. So they knew what this sea was about. They knew what could happen. But Jesus made them get in the boat, and he made them go across. Without him, just them in the boat, 
in the dark because it's getting late. It said in the passage it was getting late. They've already preached all day. They've already fed them all supper. He's already sent them away because it's getting late, which means it's getting dark. So not only is he sending them out onto a sea that he knows more than likely is going to be a storm very shortly, he's sending them out in the dark, in a storm, by themselves to get to the other side. Think about that. Would you put yourself in that passage? Would you have gotten the boat? Would you have followed the command? I'm sure we all want to say, yeah, we would have. God commanded it. We're going to do it, right? Fortunately, in this passage, they did. They got in the boat. They went across. As they're going across, in the middle of the night, this went on for hours. It says that um, well into the night, he was there alone, meaning Jesus. He was up on the mountain by himself, which means they were in the boat by themselves in the middle of the storm. It says the boat was already some distance from the land battered by the waves because the wind was against them. If the wind was against them, that means it was a resistant wind, right? As the, new, the King James says, it was a contrary wind, which means it was going against them. They had to fight to go through that storm in the dark for hours, exhausted, tired. When Jesus walked toward them, they were so focused on the storm, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. So they're scared. They're tired. They're exhausted. Now they're terrified. Not just scared, they're terrified. What's going to happen? Why would Jesus send them out into this storm? Why would he knowingly send them out into a storm that could kill them? I mean, they could. Their boat could capsize. They could drown you know, whatever. It was a dangerous territory, and Jesus sent them out there. I believe he sent them out there because he was testing their faith. God commanded them. He forced them. He made them. He constrained them to get into this boat, and they did it because they wanted to be faithful followers. They wanted to follow what the Lord told them to do. Jesus said, get in the boat. They got in the boat. No questions asked. Just got in the boat, which, of course, Jesus knew that's what they were going to do, right? He already knows the outcome of everything. He already knows what's going to happen before we do. He knew the storm was going to come. He knew it was going to be dark. He knew it was going to be at least seven or eight hours because it says he didn't come out there till I think it said the third watch of the night, which if you look at that, the scholars say the third watch of the night was sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now, they left after supper, so they're out there in the dark all night long. He comes out between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., and it probably did look like a ghost because if you think about it, if you've been anywhere near water between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., especially if there's a storm, it's foggy. It's misty. You can't see, right? So this figure comes to them, and they immediately think it's a ghost. They're terrified. Not one of them thought, Jesus is coming. He's finally coming because how would he get there? He's still a human. And what they've seen so far, even though they've seen the miracles, he's still walking on this earth as a human, a powerful human. 
and do impossible things. But is he really going to come all the way out here on the water? Is that really going to happen? They weren't focused on him. What they didn't realize was that even though they're being tossed through this storm, Jesus is up on the mountain. Now, if they're down in the water below and he's up high, he can see them. He knows anyway what's going on, right? But he, could, he was probably watching them. He was probably waiting to see how they were going to respond. What was their action going to be? What was their faith going to be like? Were they going to let fear take over? Or were they going to believe because Jesus commanded them to get in the boat and to go to the other side? They were going to go to the other side, and they were going to get there regardless. But they weren't looking at that. They were looking at the storm in front of them, the storm around them. What they had to deal with to get through, to get to the other side, and probably at this point didn't even think they were going to make it to the other side. Don't we do that? Sometimes we don't have a choice to be in the storm. They say the storm chooses us. Now, I'm not saying that every storm you're in isn't because of your making or isn't because of a choice you made, but there's a lot of storms that we go through that is not any choice of ours. I can guarantee you the pastor did not ask to be in the storm that he's in right now, but he's there. Not by his choice. Not by his choice. But I believe that if God's sending you through the storm and he's telling you to go to the other side, there's something on the other side. There's something else out there that he says, it's worth me testing your faith to see if you're going to get to the other side or not or if you're going to give up and go back. Do you believe me when I say go to the other side? Do you believe? Do you have faith in me? Do you trust me that if I tell you to do something, it's going to come out okay? At that point, I'm not sure that they had it. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to see. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe me? Because he was watching them, but they didn't see him. He saw them. They didn't see him. Now, they had the benefit back then. Jesus walked with them, right? So they could physically be with him. We don't have that benefit. We have to put our faith in, in God. We have to believe that just because we can't see him, he's there. Because we're not going to physically see him. I don't think that that's anywhere in here saying that that's going to happen anytime soon, that we're going to see him physically sitting in that pew. Not that we would know that it was him if it was, you know. So we have to have faith that we're going to get through this storm. We can't turn our back on it. We have to prove that we have the faith to get through it, right? So then, when he does speak to them and sees how scared they are, remember, at this point, Jesus is coming to them, okay? Jesus is coming to them. And he introduced himself. He introduced himself. And there was still doubt. He said, it's I, I'm here. Don't be afraid, I'm here. And what's Peter do? Lord, if it's you, if it's you. Now, I don't know if any of you watch The Chosen. If not, I highly recommend it. I love to read. You can ask my husband. I love to read. If there's a, a book that's come out of a movie, chances are I probably already read the book. 
We already read this book. At least I hope you have. We already know the story. But when you look at something and you put it in the image and you're able to see an image and be able to put yourself in that and experience the emotions and experience the characters, it puts a different perspective on it. It reminds us that these were people too. These were people just like us. They were just in different, a different era, a different time period, but they were us. If you watch The Chosen, it's really neat because it gives these characters in the Bible, it puts a face to them. And not just a face, but a personality. And we know, just from the stories in the Bible, that Peter's personality, he was kind of the, not necessarily the doubter, but number one, he was a born leader and probably didn't even know it. He didn't know it yet, especially at this point, he didn't know it yet. But he also had a very curious mind. He also knew how to push the limits. You know, he didn't necessarily take things at face value. Even when I think it was his brother told him in The Chosen, if you watch The Chosen, and they came and they, his brother had met Jesus, and he tries to tell him, I think this is the real thing. And he tells him the things that he's said, the things that he's heard. He tells him all about how it matches up with what's in the word. And Peter's like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Until he met him himself. And of course, we all know that that changed. But he was the one that pushed the limits. I like to say I'm a little bit, I got a little bit of Peter in me. And if we're honest, I think we all do. Because how many times do we question? How many times do we question it? We know God told us to do something. We know that we were called for this. God's already told us. He's shown us in the ways that he does that we're called for something. And what do we do? We question it. Lord, if it's you. If it's you. Command me to come to you on the water. Okay. How many times do we ask God for confirmation for something? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'll be the first one to tell you I do it all the time. I probably wouldn't be standing here if I didn't ask God confirmation. I don't know how many times. Because I would not have imagined myself up here. If anybody knows me, I do not like to speak in front of people. So I can tell you right now, this is not coming from me. <laughs> because I don't have the power to do this without the Lord on my side, without the Lord coming through this, because it's not me. I know it's not me. I was the shy little girl. I was not the one to get up in front of people. <laughs> and I'm still not the one to get up in front of people. But I questioned it. Are you sure? <laughs> you mean me? Are you sure you don't mean my sister? And then what was really was the kicker was Elder White called me out a few weeks ago if you were here. <laughs> Which, you know, pastor told me he wanted me to preach in January to get with him on the dates. And yes, I'm number one, I'm a procrastinator. Number two, I'm kind of a doubter sometimes. <laughs> I'm not that confident person that sometimes I, I think I look like. <laughs> I don't always feel that on the inside. So I didn't go to pastor and confirm the dates, even though I knew there were only really two dates in January I could do. I knew that from the beginning, but I didn't go to him and tell him that. And he knows that. But then Elder White called me out on it. <laughs> he said, well, Minister Angie was supposed to preach if you were here, but she didn't. I was just like, oh, my goodness. 
was also confirmation <laughs> because I questioned, because I doubted, because I procrastinated, God confirmed it again through somebody else. And I want you to think about something, though, too. Peter questioned him. It's okay to question. God did not rebuke Peter for questioning. He did not say, why are you going to question me? When he said, if it's you, in this version, he said, if it is you, command me to come. Number one, we've already seen from the beginning, if God commands them to do something, the other disciples, they're just going to do it. So he knew that if God commanded him to do this, if Jesus said come and made that the command, he was going to do it. Maybe that's why he wanted, maybe he wanted confirmation that it really was Jesus. I don't know, it doesn't really say why he necessarily questioned him. Maybe he just saw Jesus walking on the water or heard him, because really, at this point, I'm not even sure that they really saw him. It's foggy, it's misty, it's storming out. He called to them. He's walking toward them, he called to them. Maybe it was the wind that carried his voice to them, I don't know, that said, it's I, I'm here, don't be afraid. And maybe Peter didn't see him, so maybe Peter did want confirmation. Lord, if it's really you, command me to come. Because number one, he's the only one that's going to be able to make him walk on water. I mean, Peter's human. It could have been that Peter thought, there's no way Jesus is walking on water. Nobody can walk on water. Even though they saw all these miracles, all this healing, all these things that they'd seen, all these things that they preached or, or that they watched and heard and listened to Jesus preach about, we're talking about walking on water. Really? Anyway, we know the story. Jesus said, come. That's all he said. Come. He didn't get mad. There's not even an exclamation point in the Bible. Just come. Period. That was the command. How many times does Jesus tell us to come? Even after we ask for the confirmation, he gives us the confirmation and we still stand still. We still don't move forward. Maybe I'm speaking to myself because I truly am, but I don't think I'm the only one. And I do think we all have a little bit of Peter in us, however you want to call it. He said, come. So Peter went. Peter got out of the boat, in the wind, in the waves, and started walking. It says, in climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus came toward him. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And he started out in good faith. He got out of the boat. He started walking, even in the storm. Because if you remember in the passage, it doesn't say the storm stopped until they, Peter and Jesus, got back in the boat. So Peter stepped out in the storm voluntarily. These guys left at the very beginning, got in the boat to head across, but it wasn't storming at that time. It was dark. They probably figured a storm would come, but maybe they were just hoping it wasn't going to. Maybe at that point they believed it wasn't going to because God told them to do this, so they're going to do it. And nothing bad's going to happen. It's going to be easy, piece of cake, 
let's go. Let's do this. Peter, on the other hand, it was still storming. It was still storming when he got out of the boat and stepped out on the water and started walking. Now imagine that. Imagine you're Peter right now, walking on the water. How cool is that? Walking towards Jesus. Actually walking towards the sound of Jesus' voice. Because remember, they can't see him. It's still dark. It's still foggy. It's still storming. But he's walking towards the voice that he heard that confirmed that it's Jesus. And he's doing great. Until he realizes, and his human side kicks back in, and his mind kicks back in, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? You can't do this. Don't we do the same thing? We might step out in faith and start something. Maybe a project, maybe a ministry, maybe a family. Maybe a lot of things. We step out in faith. We believe that God's told us to do it. We've gotten all our confirmations. We know this is what's supposed to happen. And we start stepping out in faith. But then we realize the vastness, the impossibility of what we are doing. By Jesus' power, not of ours. But then we start thinking about that. Wait a minute. I'm not Jesus. I can't walk on water. What the world, what am I doing? What am I thinking? And when he started thinking about that, he lost his focus. Right? Elder Josh, Elder Josh talked about focus. He mentioned focus. Confirmation. He talked about stepping out. Confirmation. Elder White started talking about making a decision, stepping out, being bold enough to walk forward when he preached. Confirmation. You know, like I said, I've been, I knew in my heart when I was going to preach this message at some point. I didn't know when, but I knew at some point this message was going to come forth. And look at all the confirmations. Everybody kept asking me, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Are you going to do okay? Believe it or not, I'm not nervous right now. I am not nervous right now because I have faith that this message is supposed to be brought forth, that this message was given to me by our Lord, who put me in this position, who put me in this very spot, this very moment, to talk to you today. So I'm not nervous. I told my, I had to convince myself for the last couple of weeks that I wouldn't be. And then as I'd wake up every morning, the Lord would say something in my ear. You got this. And he would show me something else. I told my husband, I said, I need to write some note cards because I don't want to, I told my daughter, I said, I don't want to ramble on. She goes, oh, you're not going to ramble. Sometimes I get passionate about something, I go on and on, so I'm trying not to. But I told my husband, I need to write some note cards so that I don't forget the point. But then when I tried to write the note cards, I was up to 1 a.m., something I started at 9 o'clock, actually started the day before, because I didn't know what I wanted to write. I know what I want to say, but to put it on paper, it's hard to put on paper. Because then I'm putting it on myself. Then I'm putting it on myself. But if I can come up here, because I've had multiple confirmations, because I have faith that God put me here, that he wants me here today, that this is what he wants me to say, I don't need necessarily the note cards. 
right? I need to just come up here and say what God wants me to say. And I hope you're hearing it. Because when Jesus rebuked him and he said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? He didn't rebuke him when he questioned. He didn't rebuke him when he asked for confirmation. He rebuked him when he doubted. When God gave him the confirmation and he still doubted that God wouldn't give him the capabilities to do what he told him he wanted him to do. And it says, immediately, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? First of all, Peter was walking on water, like I said, towards Jesus, towards Jesus' voice. Jesus was not right beside him physically. If Jesus had to reach, and it says he had to, that he reached for him, that means that Peter got so far out of the boat, in faith, doing what God told him to do, before he started doubting, he got so far, he couldn't just turn around and step back in the boat. He was already too far away from the boat. And he still couldn't see Jesus. It says he was walking towards him. So he still couldn't see Jesus. But immediately, when he called out, he was there. Grabbed his hand, pulled him up. And they finally got back in the boat. Sometimes we forget to call out. Sometimes we forget who we can have right beside us through anything that we're doing. Even the guys in the boat, when they went across in the boat, this story is repeated in three of the four Gospels. A little bit different version. Some things, um, I find it interesting that in one version, they didn't even talk about Peter walking on water. Maybe that was just because they were tired of Peter getting all the credit. I don't know. Maybe they were just tired of Peter stepping up all the time. Or him being the show-off. I don't know. But he was left out. They didn't even mention him. And in John's Gospel, it says that when Jesus walked towards the boat, they invited him in. He didn't just get in the boat. They had to invite him in. So how many times are we going through a storm... And we forget who we have to invite in that storm with us. Especially when it was a storm that wasn't our choice. Especially if it's a storm that we're forced into. The decision wasn't made for us. But we're there. We're placed in the midst of it. You have to remember, number one, who's in your boat when you go through the storms? Who's in that boat with you? And be careful who you bring with you. Be careful who's in that boat with you. And make real sure you invite the right person in, the one that can conquer all of it, that's guaranteed to get you through it, that knows what's waiting on the other side, that knows he's going to get you through this, because whatever it is on the other side is something so much greater. Do you know what was on the other side when they did get to the other side of the, of the sea or whatever? When they got to the destination they were supposed to go to, do you know what was on the other side? 
more miracles, more healings, more, more, more. If they would have gave up in that boat, if they would have turned around even and went back, that wouldn't have happened. They would have missed out because they weren't, didn't have enough faith to go through and to trust that God was going to go through it. They missed out on the blessing on the other side. They missed out on the experience on the other side of that storm. Now, when Jesus rebuked Peter and he said, ye of little faith, it wasn't that Peter didn't have faith. Obviously, he had some faith. He got in the boat to begin with. And then he had faith to ask for confirmation. When he got the confirmation, he got out of the boat. But the problem was his faith wasn't strong enough to sustain him. It didn't sustain him to get to the point that Jesus told him to get to. Jesus said, come. He's not going to turn his back after he tells you to come. He's not going to leave you high and dry and watch you sink. If he says come, he's already got you. You just need to follow the command to come. Now the other thing that I want to just touch on too, when we read these passages, maybe one thing sticks out to you. Maybe you thought I was just going to talk about the storm and the boat. Maybe you thought I was just going to talk about Peter stepping out in faith and then forgetting that he had the faith and then failing and, you know, all of that. There's an end to this story. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. When they, Peter and Jesus, means all that time the storm's still going on. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then what happened? Those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, that bothers me. You know why it bothers me? These are the same disciples that have been going, following Jesus all over the place, watching him perform miracles, listening to him preach, knowing that he's the Son of God. They should have already known that. We would assume that they've seen all this happen. They've had all these experiences where they've watched it happen. They've been there. They were eyewitness to the fact. But they still doubted. They still hadn't figured it out. So that bothers me. Why did it take this for them now to say, truly you are the son of God? And they worshiped him. This is the first time that it says that the disciples worshiped him. All these things he's been doing all these places he's taken them to, all these things he's shown them, taught them. Now you decide to worship him? Because this happened? That's kind of bothers him. And I kept, I, I was kind of stuck on that. I don't know why it bothered me so much at first. But then I realized something. How many times do we look at somebody else's storm and we see the success of their storm? Or we see somebody else doing something that we want to do, we wish we could do, but God wouldn't do that for me. How many times do we pray for a miracle 
And we see it, we've seen it happen. We know. We sing songs about it. We read stories about it. We know that God is a miracle-working God. We've seen it in his word. I would bet that every one of us knows somebody who they know received a miracle themselves that they recognized as a miracle. Whether it was healing, whether it was financial, whether it was a family, whatever. They know. They, you know, they saw God was in the midst of their storm. God brought them out. God blessed them. Why do we think that we're not worthy enough to receive the same thing? We've all been given the same promises. God tells us he's going to bless us. God gives us the promises. He didn't give it to Amy and not give it to me. He didn't give it to the last speaker we had or the the praise team that's up here that has the, you know, we compare ourselves too much. We compare ourselves too much to the people around us and we see what they have and we want what they have but for some reason we've decided on our own that we're not worthy to have it. They did not believe or they pushed it aside or they didn't recognize or whatever that he truly was the son of God until they were put in an experience where they needed him for themselves. So why do we wait till we get to that point? I would encourage all of you to really think about what's been said today. I would say that every one of you in here more than likely knows or at least suspects that God has something better for you. We all know, or you should know by now, that we all have our own purpose. We all have our own thing that God has put us here to do. Each individual, we all have experiences that we're going to go through that are going to be not like anybody else's. We all have a purpose that is only our own, that only we can fulfill. So are you going to be brave enough to step out of the boat? Are you still questioning it? If you are, it's okay. But when God gives you the confirmation, because that's what you need to ask for it, if you're asking everybody else, that's the wrong thing. If you're asking everybody else for the confirmation, you can't rely on that. But if you ask God for the confirmation, for what he wants you to do, Lord, is this really what you would have me do? Lord, do you want me to start this ministry? Lord, do you want me to take this job? Lord, do you want me to start this family? Lord, do you want me to marry this person? Whatever your question is, ask God for the confirmation of it. And when you receive it, act on it. Act on it, because I promise you. And I only promise you because God promised it first. He said it in his word. That he is going to turn all, everything for your good. If you follow him, if you act on what he wants you to do, he's going to take care of you. You're going to get the blessing that he has just for you. But you can't get it until you make the step of faith and 
the faith that will sustain you even when the storm gets hard. Because some of these things, it's going to get windy. You're going to feel some resistance. And probably the more resistance you have, then the better the blessing on the other side. Because something else is trying to stop you from getting what God has for you. And if you don't take that step, especially after it's been confirmed, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss your blessing. And then when you receive it, you better thank God. You better worship him for bringing you through that storm, as I know he will. I didn't make this up. (laughs) It's all right there. I just put it in a different perspective for you. And if you read that by yourself sometime when you're questioning, you're probably going to get another perspective of it. But the truth is still going to remain that God will test your faith. And God will put you in situations that you didn't ask for. Even if you're in a situation that was something that you did that put you in that situation, all you have to do is cry, Lord, save me. Lord, come and get me. Lord, I need you. And he's going to be right there immediately. Immediately. There's a reason why that word's in that passage. Three times. The beginning, the middle, and the end. All three times, immediately. He's right there. So I challenge you, if you know that there's something God's telling you to do, somewhere God's telling you to go, some project God's telling you to start, whatever it is, I challenge you to step out of the boat and go towards him. Don't wait for him to have to come towards you. Go towards him. Because he's waiting. And he's ready to bless you, to help you through that storm, to get you to the other side. There's a lot going on in the church right now, in our church. There's a lot of um, projects happening. There's a lot of new things happening. Exciting things. It's exciting. There's a part for every single one of you in those projects. You need to accept it, and you need to realize it, and you need to step out, go forth, forget the resistance, forget the doubt, and take your place where God's telling you to be. And that's my challenge for you today. Remember who put you there. Remember why he put you there. And have the faith to move forward. May you all be blessed. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.